Hi, I'm Michael Hotard, creator of the Hotard Huddle and host of this awesome pod. In today's world of disinformation and misinformation, what if I told you there's an easy way to be informed about where you spend your money? Cluey Consumer. Download Cluey Consumer in the App Store or visit their website, clueyconsumer.com. Cluey can help you be an informed and conscious consumer. The app allows you to search for brands that you buy from every single day. The best part, it's totally free. The creators of Cluey Consumer hope to one day cover every purchase and every social, environmental, and political impact of those purchases. For example, my family frequently shops at Publix. With Cluey, I know that 73% of Publix political ad campaign spending goes to Republicans. The app doesn't have bias. It doesn't tell you how or where to purchase goods from. It just allows you to see exactly where that dollar could be going. Download Cluey Consumer today for free and become a more informed consumer. That's Cluey Consumer, C-L-U-E-Y Consumer. And again, totally free in the App Store. For more information, visit CluyConsumer.com. Bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, bring it in for the Hotsard Huddle podcast presented by HotsardHuddle.com. It's the pot of open discussion and open dialogue. We talk about a handful of topics that fall under the blanket of sports, entertainment, politics, and business. These are my friends, my people, my fans. You are now Inside the Huddle. Michael Hotard back here alongside my good friends, Matt Labatude, Danny Hillman. Uh, the last time you saw these guys or heard these guys on the podcast, I believe was for the NFL draft. Um, super excited to have you guys back Two of my favorite people to talk football with. And uh, unfortunately we're missing uh, one head of this four headed monster with uh, Cortland who joined us for the draft. Uh, he had some other obligations. We tried to get him on for this, but uh It'll be uh, three of us tonight, and uh, I'm excited. We got Super Bowl coming up, boys. Uh, it's one of the biggest days of the year for sports fans, and I know for the three of us. Um, so uh, let's just open up the floodgates here. And uh, my first, I, I guess let's open this up with, I mean, is this the matchup that uh, you guys wanted to see? And Matt, go ahead and uh, fire away. Take first crack. I mean, is this is this the matchup that you were looking for? And if not, um, I mean, is this a good consolation? So I think the only thing I'd want to switch up is I was really kind of looking forward to seeing Buffalo get in there. For whatever reason, I just that was the team I kind of wanted to see get in. I don't know if it's mostly for the fans because all of those crazy fans were just, you know, suffering for so long, especially with that playoff drought. And I feel like Josh Allen's a guy you can really get behind and just, you know, kind of root for. But considering they didn't make it, I feel like this is probably the best matchup. I think you got the best team for both conferences. You got Tom Brady going against Patrick Mahomes. You know, the firepower is there on both teams. I don't think you could have asked for a better matchup. It's just, you know, it's going to be fireworks. Oh, without a doubt. Um, and then I'll turn it over to Danny here. So what about you? I mean, was this, was this the matchup you wanted? No. So I was a lot like Matt. I, uh, 
I wanted to circle the wagon with the Buffalo Bills. Um, they were they were the the team out of the four that just didn't seem like they belonged. You know, um, you had Rodgers, you had Brady, you had Mahomes, all with that kind of quarterback pedigree, I guess. You know, and then there's the Bills, just you know, nosediving through tables. Um, you know, just hey, we're here. Uh, I kind of wanted to see Buffalo and Green Bay. Let's have two cold teams go down and play in the uh, Florida sunshine. Why not? Um, but that being said, man, you're getting Miyagi and Danielson with <laughs> with Brady and Mahomes right now. I like the reference. Yeah, it's it's a great it's a great great matchup. Looking forward to it for sure. Well, all right. So now that we kind of answered the uh, the AFC side, I mean. We, we forgot to touch on the NFC here. So let me circle the wagon back uh, with you, Matt. Um, you know, as far as the NFC goes, I mean, I, obviously, I know you're a Saints fan. Um, you know, you and I both being from New Orleans. Uh, but I also know you're a big Brady fan. So what was this the team you wanted out of the NFC? I mean, much like you, my uh, my Tom Brady jersey's on the way. So yeah, big, <laughs> Let's big go. Brady fan. But but uh, yeah, Tampa Bay. I'm just I'm excited to see them there, and they they have a bunch of guys who I think you can kind of get behind. And you just big football guys. You got the quarterback on the offense, Tom Brady. You got the quarterback on the defense, Levante David, who I think is completely underrated. I think him and probably Bobby Wagner. You're talking about the best linebackers in the game right now. Hey, one name, I will cut you off here. One name, though, that needs to be mentioned in that number, Devin White. You want to talk about the MVP of defensive MVP of the postseason? It's that guy, man. He puts everyone in check. He's so good sideline to sideline. David White, what a fucking duo that is. Just nasty because I think, uh, honestly, you probably got White as well. Maybe you could say the second comment of Avante David. Uh, how great is that that you can maybe luck into, you know, two possible Hall of Fame talents at linebacker and you had Derek Brooks, you know, just to mention another name on there. A lot of linebackers. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, that defense is loaded. I think the defense is definitely better than uh, than Kansas City, especially getting Vita Vea back. That guy is a freaking monster. Like, how are you that quick and 300-something pounds? It's just it's crazy. But uh, JPP back on the defensive line, him and Shaq Barrett trying to get at the quarterback. That's going to be a nasty defense to overcome, especially with Kansas City being down two uh, two tackles. So without think, a doubt, uh, without a doubt. Um, Danny, what about you? I mean, uh, we already I already know your theory that Tom Brady is in fact the Antichrist. Um, <laughs> but uh, what about you for the NFC? Who are you wanting to come out? First off, to back up, it's not a theory. It's been proven. <laughs> um, no, man, like I said, I wanted cheese heads versus tables. Um, you know, let's get the cold teams in it. Uh, I like how Aaron Rodgers is. I, I don't know what you call someone who is smug yet likable. Like, I don't know what that word is, you know, pretentious, all of it, right? He's just confident. Um, I also like you know, the, the green Bay squad, um, you know, just what they have around them, you know, it's a bunch of just kind of like, I get the, the feeling like blue collar guys around Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams, like, all right, Aaron, throw it to Devonte nine times out of 10. All right. The one time out of 10, 
Alan Lazard. Oh, there you are. You know, it, and Green Bay has kind of always done that, you know, even back to the days with, with Favre. Um, but yeah, I was looking forward to it really because it was more rooting against the Bucks than for the Packers, if that makes sense, just because you guys like Brady. I am the exact opposite. I cannot wait until this guy retires at 59 years old and my son can finally grow up in an NFL where there's not Tom Brady. <laughs> hey, you're raising you're raising you're raising your son wrong. I'll just call that right now. Um, but no, I, for me, I mean, this is the matchup I wanted. Um, you know, I, the second Brady inked to deal with the Bucks, that was the second I said. I want the Bucks to go to the Super Bowl. And I called them to go to the Super Bowl. My preseason pick was the matchup we got. It's the matchup I thought was going to happen. It's the matchup I wanted to happen. Um, you know, we already got to see uh, Brady Mahomes won, if you will, in the AFC Championship of 2018. I got robbed, or we got robbed, I should say, because I think NFL fans got robbed for so many years of a breeze Brady Super Bowl. You know, that's that's the killer there. Um, you know, especially for the last four years. You knew the Patriots in all likelihood were gonna go, and they did multiple times, but the Saints could never get over the fucking hump. So we got robbed of two icons going head to head in the Super Bowl. Well, the second Brady jump ship. I wanted it to be Brady versus Mahomes. And if Brady couldn't do it, I would have been okay with a Rodgers versus Mahomes matchup. Um, and the reason I want, I mean, Brady for obvious reasons. I mean, it's no secret to you two or to anyone who follows my podcast or my blog regularly. I'm a fucking Mark for Brady. Um, but with Brady and Mahomes, this is this could be the potential, I guess, passing of the torch, if you will. And that's the storyline that I love that's going to be driven home in this. Um, because Patrick Mahomes is the first, and I think I'm, uh, you know, I'm pretty, pretty strong in saying this. I mean, we kind of had this with Rodgers, but we didn't see the unequivocal, uh, unequivocal bull goat with with Brady um, when Rodgers was having his run in the early 2010s. I mean, Brady was still one of the best ever, but I don't know at that point that you put him head and shoulders over Montana. There's no debate anymore. Brady is the GOAT. The first real crack we have to unthrone the GOAT is Patrick Mahomes. He's playing in his second Super Bowl. He just played in his third AFC championship and he's not even 26 yet. So if Mahomes wins, he's on pace to potentially get there. And I don't think there's any doubt from a numbers standpoint. You know, obviously the big thing that's going to help him would be championships. Because I don't think there's ever a scenario where Mahomes doesn't put up the numbers. Um, but that that's what this is. I think that this matchup is meaningful in that standpoint. Um, Brady's playing in his 10th Super Bowl. You have Mahomes who's playing in his second. And it's just one of those, like I said, potential of passing of the torch or 
it's the Wiley vet going over. Um, so it's, it's a really cool matchup. And I think, uh, Danny said it best. It's Miyagi versus Daniel son. And, uh, yeah, it's the matchup I wanted. And it's one that I'm excited to see. Um, but I guess moving on here, um, you know, let's, let's kind of break this down, uh, team by team here. Um, and let's go ahead and start with the chiefs. I mean, I guess let, let me ask you this on a scale of one to 10, are you two either surprised that we're seeing the chiefs in this position again? I mean, for me, I mean, I picked the chiefs for a reason. I felt confidently, I felt confident that they were going to be the team that went in the AFC in the preseason. I, I, you know, there were other teams that came up along the way, but at the end of the day, didn't see the Steelers getting past them. Didn't see the Ravens getting past them. Didn't see the Titans getting past them. They seemed like the heavy favorite. You know, there was all this hoopla during the regular season about, oh, they're only winning close games. And then you see them turn it on for the playoffs. There, there's no doubt they're the best team in the NFL top to bottom. And, um, I mean, a large part of that obviously has to do with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback because, well, and to quote the great John Madden here, the team that scores more points wins the game. And Patrick Mahomes scores points better than anybody. It doesn't matter what lead you have. It's not protected. And we've seen that time and time again in the postseason. Uh, his last three, four playoff wins, he's come from behind. So, um, I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, going back to that original question, I mean – you know, what's what was the likelihood you would have given the Chiefs to go back to the Super Bowl at the beginning of the season? I'm going to say a nine and a half. Um, Danny, you know, what was yours? Yeah, I'm, I'm up there around nine. Um, listening to you talk, I was kind of thinking to myself, it, the Chiefs gave us the same feeling that you had with Brady and the Pats all those years before, right? Um, to where it's they're going to be there unless they drop the ball. You know, it's it's theirs to lose, so to speak. Um, so not surprised, you know. Uh, that being said, I find it – the Chiefs are fun to root for, man. I mean, all the, all the weapons and everything. And then they also have, you know, Fat Andy, who's one of my favorite coaches of all time. Who doesn't time. love Andy Reid? Come on. And uh, so you just kind of had that feeling since – you know, the clock struck midnight last year on the Super Bowl that the Chiefs were going to be back here, right? Um, it's the NFL, any given Sunday, all that, blah, blah, blah. Um, you kind of thought that it was theirs to lose. So I'm, I'm up there in the, the nine with you. I'll say 9.3, so I don't have to agree with you. <laughs> so, um, and that's the thing with the Chiefs. I mean, they have all the, the key guys locked up through 2022. So this roster is still together for next year and the following season, essentially. So... And that's that's the big reason why I say Mahomes has a real shot at being in line to be the GOAT. And it's because he before he's 27, he can potentially win maybe four Super Bowls here. And that's what's crazy. But uh, one thing you did say and touch on um, was in terms of uh, Brady and Mahomes, how the game is never out of the realm of possibility. 
And you reference, of course, Brady earlier in his career. I mean, we we knew what Brady was. Brady got the ball at the end of games. That's not a position you wanted to be in. And that was the case from his first Super Bowl win against the Rams till now. And one thing I will say in the difference between Brady and Mahomes, Brady back then was just a technician. Um, and Mahomes, he's just a freak. He's, you know, he does things that you shouldn't be able to do as an NFL quarterback. He took the NFL and flipped it on its ass. And he made a guy like Aaron Rodgers of 2010 look like child's play. That's what's so damn remarkable about that. Um, but uh, let's let's go to my boy Matt here. So, Matt, what about you? I mean, after last season, scale of 1 to 10, what was your thoughts on the Chiefs getting back to the Super Bowl? Uh, in all honesty, probably a 10. It, it was like you guys, uh, especially Danny said, who – Who's going to get in their way besides themselves? Honestly, I didn't see any other teams in the AFC, especially even after the, the offseason with all the moves and everything, kind of make that statement to say, hey, we're going to step up and we're going to come take the crown from you. Uh, you could have maybe said the Ravens because, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson coming off that fantastic MVP season. But I thought a big thing was losing uh, Marshall Yonda to retirement. That is a Hall of Fame guard who's going to help your entire offense. And I think, you know, even if you're taking half a step back, you can't afford to take any steps back when you're going against the Chiefs. You know, it, it would have been difficult for any team in the AFC to come in and take the crown. I don't think, you know, I'm not really surprised at all that they're back in it. Uh, they kind of stumbled towards the end of the season, winning games by, you know, handful of points, getting some close calls. But a close call is still a win at the end of the day. And they were dealing with some injuries throughout the entire season. So I wasn't really worried about them. Well, one of the things that I think is the most over overplayed statement when you start talking about people and the way they talk about the NFL. Strength of schedule. Look, we can sit here and talk about weak schedules. We can talk about strong schedules. Obviously, there are wins out there that are more quality than others. But... You hear this all too often in the NFL to take down good football teams. You heard it with both the Chiefs and the Bucks um, that they played weaker schedules. They don't have the quote-unquote quality wins. At the end of the day, we're talking about a team that won 11 games, and we're talking about a team that won, was it 14 or 15? I don't even remember, but bottom line, you're talking about the team who captured the one seed in the AFC. And... This is a team or this is a conference that didn't have a single team in the postseason with less than 11 wins. And they came out on top. So Chiefs on a bad day are still better than most teams on a great day. Um, so it's just one of those overstated bullshit talking points that people regurgitate from the twat stain talking heads on ESPN Fox and all that other crap. But um, as far as the chiefs go, keeping it in line with that, um, you know, what's interesting about the chiefs um, is their defense. While it kind of catches flack at times, it plays right into the offense's hands because at the end of the day, 
the chiefs have one of the better pass rushes in football. Um, and they have a comparable secondary led by Tyron Matthew, who I'm going to name drop there. Um, he's the MVP of that defense, but you also have guys up at front, uh, guys like Chris Jones, um, who can, who can get after the quarterback. And, you know, when you have constant pressure on the opposing quarterback, it's not boating well when you're going against Patrick Mahomes, who, well, doesn't really matter what pressure you're bringing at him. He's going to obliterate you. One of the most interesting stats uh, was something that they talked about before, I believe, the AFC Championship. Patrick Mahomes is at his worst. Uh, it's I think it was 12 of his career interceptions, or maybe it was 16 of his career interceptions. Most of his career interceptions come when teams drop eight in coverage, meaning he's just got to sit back there and basically make the mistake. But that being said, it's still Patrick Mahomes. Chances are if he's making a mistake, it's because he's trying to fit a ball into triple coverage that more often than not, he probably will. Um, But as far as the Chiefs go, I mean, because of who is playing quarterback for them, no matter what you're playing behind the eight ball, because defense aside, you're playing catch up to Patrick Mahomes against a team that can get after your quarterback. And that's, that's what makes this team so damn great. Um, because all it takes is one or two mistakes, one or two possessions to overturn and if the Chiefs have caught fire at that point, you're finding yourself in quicksand and you're sinking quick. Um, so as long as they have this team through 2022, I mean, it's it's going to be the team to beat in the NFL um, until that roster has to blow up. And even then, it still might be. Um, but one of the I, I guess one of the guys outside of the quarterback position or two of the guys let's talk about here is Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. I mean, I don't know that there's a more nasty duo in terms of receiving in the NFL right now. Um, Kelsey, who just eats the middle of the field, he's probably going to go down as the first or second best tight end in football. Um, in my opinion, I would say Gronk is the number one um, of all time. And I think Travis Kelsey's knocking on the door, and I don't think it's too soon to say that based on what he's done in the last five, six years. Um, But on the other side of Kelsey, you have Hill, who, I mean, fucking put the ball in his hands and watch him do work. Uh, He had that big play against the the Bills where I I believe it was a 50-yard, 60-yard play. And once he gets the ball in his hands, it's, it's magical. You know, you cannot catch him. Uh, He lives up to every bit of that nickname being the Cheetah. Um, So it's just such a fun offense to watch because of that. And then you then you want to throw in the the complimentary pieces like Nicole Hardman. The Chiefs offense, a damn track race, and you're just not keeping up. So it's just it's something we've never really seen before in the NFL. Um, Danny, let's turn it to you, man. Yeah, so, I mean, speaking on the the Chiefs, you know, the Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, um, you know, I, I love playing prop bets on Super Bowl. I, and it just by happenstance, I'm looking today, 
Travis Kelsey is favored the most to score the first touchdown. I don't know that I've ever seen a tight end favored at five to one odds. Um, and if I'm remembering correctly, he's been favored the last two games because, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy throwing a few dollars at the prop bets. It's unprecedented. And I mean, he is too. Now I, I agree with you with Gronk, but when the two careers are done, I don't know that we're saying the same thing. I agree. But a lot can happen. A lot can happen between now and then. Um, the other thing is, is you know, the Chiefs just have this this habit of, you know, if you're on the field as a skilled player, a skilled position in that offense, at any given moment, you can go 25 yards for a score, and that includes Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> like, um, it's it's not the traditional like hey we're gonna wear you down in the fourth quarter it's like no you're winded midway through the first try to keep up yeah um it's it's exciting it's fun i love the creativity in the offense because it's almost as difficult as like trying to find a hockey puck when you're watching an nhl game you know it's just like all right where's the ball oh it will shuffle pass up the middle to kelsey and there he goes you know well that's the Uh, other thing andy reed's crib uh, creative play calling, you know, last year's Super Bowl, going back to that, Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid called two brilliant games, and it was so much fun to watch from a just X's and O's standpoint. The the other thing I have to give to the Chiefs, too, um, much like the Patriots, so you're seeing that comparison already, right? We, um, but last week, the Packers had a chance, fourth and goal or whatever, they kick a field goal, they lose. Chiefs have fourth and one. Andy Reid's like, hey, you know what's a good idea? Let's pass the ball here. You know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a stickler here and correct you. It was fourth okay. and two. Don't you take that fucking yard away from Chad Henney. I, I apologize. And, and that's it. It's with Chad, Chad Henney. And, and I'm sorry, it was, what, two weeks ago or two games ago now. Um, it just shows, you know, a confidence. And I don't consider it an arrogance. You know, the, the Pats with Belichick, you know, they would go for what seems like any fourth down inside the 50, right? Andy Reid's just like, hey, this seems cool. All right, I'm going to go back and have a beer. Let me know if it works. You know, um, they're fun to watch. And then to speak to their defense, um, I actually think, you know, you had mentioned earlier, like I think the Bucks definitely have the more uh, marquee defense, right? Yeah. But the Chiefs – have that kind of swarm mentality you're not seeing a lot of solo open field tackles it's like hey we're gonna bang them up and then here comes the rest of the squad um and i i think that helps them you know quite a bit to neutralize a lot of the weapons that tampa bay has because you have to keep going 100 they've done it all year um so i'm i'm excited to see what they offer uh, last year, I, you know, I know they're the favorites at, as of this moment last year, I think they, they felt like the hot hand this year. I feel like it's like, oh, well now it's Brady. Now let's see yeah. what happens. Right. And all of a sudden the favorites are kind of the underdogs in this, right. Can Mahomes overtake Brady? I think, and I mean, in my opinion, I think they have the advantage because of their offense. And then, like I said, just that junkyard dog swarm mentality on defense. I actually think they're more physical than people give them credit for. 
two quick things I want to touch on before I turn it over to Matt here. And uh, number one, you know, you mentioned uh, the betting lines and they're a favorite, but they feel like an underdog because of Brady. You know, it's the same thing last week. You know, I, I told you this. For all intents and purposes, if I was setting a line on the Packers as a team, you know, the, I know the line ended up being th- minus three for the Packers. You know, that team should have been a six or seven point favorite easily. But because it's Brady, he moves that line so much. So even when you may technically be the favorite, you don't feel like the favorite. Um, so that's one. Two, with Mahomes, you had talked about um, him and how he can scamper for a 25-yard touchdown. I did see a quote um, last week, and it's – I can't remember who said it. Um, I, I wish I could, but basically, the to paraphrase here, it said, don't let the old man jog that Patrick Mahomes does fool you, meaning just kind of the nonchalant warming up and stuff like that. And it was alluding to, no, homie's quicker than you want to give him credit for. And uh, I thought that was a cool quote just because I'm like, yeah, I mean, he avoids pressure. He, you know, in his rookie year, I remember that play um, inside the red zone. I think they were on the 16 or 18 yard line. And he backtracked and he ran, I think they clocked 53 yards maybe of him scrambling before firing a touchdown. These things don't happen. They're not supposed to happen, but he makes them happen. Um, so I just Only wanted to Sunday touch on those. Flag games. What's that? Only Sunday night flag football. Uh, flag football game that, that's it that should only happen on sunday night <laughs> beer league flag but uh matt turn over to you now man you know what's your what's your kind of thoughts on all this first of all sorry scotty miller but you're not faster than tyree kill uh, not beating him in a foot <laughs> no <laughs> let's just get that out of the way but uh yeah man if you're talking about those two as a duo i think he travis kelsey the best tight end in football right now i don't think you can really argue with that and tyree kill is that worst what top five receiver so it, it's just a, a disgusting duo all that speed on both sides usually you can probably get away with a linebacker uh covering a tight end in most cases you're not covering travis Kelsey with a linebacker it, we saw i think it was when the patriots played him stefan gilmore was lining up with him for a couple of snaps trying to cover him so he's just such he's such a mismatch for whatever defense that you have that you almost have to put your best guy on him and then you leave tyree kill wide open if you got to put a guy on that, well, like you were alluding to, they got Pringle and then they have Hardman. And then you got to cover their backs out of the backfield with Le'Veon Bell and Clydro. It, it really just is, is a, an embarrassment of riches. I don't know if we've seen in, in a little while. It's just, it, it's an all track team on that offense. So it, it's, it's, it's going to be tough to, tough to stop them, man. It's, that is a great offense. Well, dude, and then you have to worry about trying to stop and stuff the run with freaking Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and now Le'Veon Bell. Um, you know, that's two very good running backs. So it's it's like, all right, cool. Account for the pass. Play back. Try to stop the speed. Okay, cool. Well, we'll just take the six yards you're giving us now and pray to God we can make the tackle in the open field. So, um, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs are unbelievably talented, unbelievably spread on that offense, um, loaded with playmakers who, like Danny said, 
Any of them can break a 20 yard play at any given moment. Um, but let's uh, let's jump to the other side of the coin here. Uh, and that, of course, being the the Bucks. Um, you know, I I said this and the reason I picked the Bucks to win when they got Brady and I'm going to allude to this. And, you know, it's something that I use to troll Saints fans uh, within the last couple of weeks because, well, they've just become fun. They've become my plaything, and I don't care. Um with with the Bucks, you know, when Tom Brady signed with the Bucks, naturally, most of most of the echo chamber that I hear also, uh, fuck you, Andrew. I use the word echo chamber, and I know he's not going to listen to this podcast, but uh, that's an inside moving joke. Goalposts. Yeah, moving the goalposts and shit. But um, anyway, you know, most of the echo chamber that I'm basically tied to is is saints fans i'm from new orleans that's who i have on social media that's who i see on social media and of course when brady went to the bucks it was oh he's too old we saw what happened in the playoffs um you know what's he gonna do without belichick there were all these stupid narratives being thrown around as if brady's not the greatest quarterback of all time um this is the first offense he's been a part of since probably 2007 that is this loaded with talent. You know, the Patriots have never had the talent on offense, whether people want to admit that or not. You know, when you're throwing to Julian Edelman, that's not something you should be proud about. You know, Julian Edelman's a third option in most teams, even when he was at his best. Now, of course, he always had the chess piece that was Gronk. Um, but over the years, it didn't matter what the personnel was, what kind of offense the Patriots ran. Brady was going to get the job done, and he was going to be one of the best in the league doing it. So he moves over to the Bucks. He goes into an offensive system that isn't quarterback friendly. Let's not get that twisted. It's the same offense that Jameis Winston threw 30 interceptions last year. And now he has this stigma of being this high turnover quarterback. And he had that stigma in new Orleans. Meanwhile, you look at his numbers in the previous years he had, they were similar to breeze when he first got to new Orleans, but, um, You know, he goes to a complicated offense. It's an offense that most quarterbacks don't thrive in in year one. And this isn't some list of just no-name quarterbacks. The quarterbacks who were shit in Bruce Arians-style offense, or Bruce Arians' offense in year one, Peyton Manning threw 28 interceptions. It was his rookie year. You had Carson Palmer throw 18 interceptions. He had uh, close to 30 turnovers that year. There were some damn good guys. Now, you had guys like Big Ben who had his career year in Bruce Arians' uh, offense in his first year. What does Brady do? Has probably his best passing season in three, four years. And he leads the league in air yards. He's a 43-year-old quarterback throwing nine and a half yards downfield on average. He throws 40 touchdowns. Well... One of the things I said in the very beginning of the season, or I should say the second they signed Brady, so last March, was, okay, 
you have an offense with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. You had Cameron Brait, um, OJ Howard. Those were the two tight ends. This was prior to them signing Gronk. This was prior to them getting Antonio Brown. This was prior to them getting Leonard Fournette. I talked about that offense. Just having those two receivers alone, I'm like, Brady should be fine. This is going to be the best weapons he's going to have. And one of the things that got swept under the rug with the Bucks was their defense. People like to harp on things like points per game, and they like to harp on the things like yards, but they fail to look at the entire equation. The Bucks were number, they were in the top five in most categories, top 10 at worst. They were top 10 in red zone defense. They were top 10 in third down defense. They were top 10 in yards per play. They were top 10 in rush, uh, rush per play, pass per play, all these different equations. But they were middle of the road in points, or excuse me, middle of the road in yards per game and near the bottom in points. But they also had a four-point swing on Jameis Winston's pick sixes alone. So you start diving into all these numbers. This was an elite defense. They were fifth in DVOA. So what I saw with the writing on the wall was, all right, Tom Brady's going to a top five defense, and he's got weapons at his disposal in a pass-happy offense. And then they just double down. They get Brown. They get Leonard Fournette. And now I've heard a couple of people say, well, look at the weapons they have. Oh, shitbag. You didn't want to give him credit when he first signed before these weapons happened. They're still good before all these weapons started uh, being unleashed because let's face it, they didn't use Leonard Fournette for the regular season. They were using Ronald Jones. Um, So for me, the writing on the wall was there. That's why I picked them. And this is without a doubt in the twilight of his career, probably the best roster top to bottom that he's ever played with minus maybe the 2007 Patriots and their defense wasn't even that good. Randy Moss was just a freak that year. So, you know, as far as the bucks go on paper, I, I don't know that they, they're they better than the Chiefs, but this roster is freaking loaded, and I'm not surprised by this result at all. And once they got to the postseason, once they got towards December, they may be a Southern team, but they have a quarterback who can play in the cold, and those things matter this late in the season. So, again, it's no surprise here. Uh, Matt, I'll let you have the floor here. I think one thing with Tampa Bay that uh, that kind of stands out to me a little bit is just the leadership that they have with, with veterans on the team. I mean, you have guys like Ndamukong and Sue. Uh, you have Jason Pierre-Paul. You have Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, Tom Brady. You have all these guys that have just been in the league for so long and have seen so much. And I think that's helping the younger guys grow and helping them grow into their role. Like you have Devin White, who's only been in the league for a year or two, playing fantastic. You got uh, Antoine Winfield in the back at uh, safety, playing fantastic. I think it just it helps so much having these veterans on the team that can kind of take these young guys, and then you inject that young talent into a team. It just it takes them over the top. 
and they had this young talent last year and they had the veteran leadership last year, but they were missing a Tom Brady. <laughs> so you sprinkle him into this team, man. And, and we, we see what happens. And on paper, I think they're, they're actually pretty comparable to, to the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And, and I was saying uh, earlier that we haven't seen an offense like the chiefs in a long time. Well, I kind of lied because we have, if you look at the Buccaneers, they're just, they're loaded from top to bottom. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. You go from, from running back to receiver, uh, it's just, they have weapons everywhere and where they, uh, they kind of get over on the Chiefs a little bit, I think, is that offensive line is nasty. And picking up Tristan Werfs in the draft, he's been fantastic at that right tackle position. Uh, they have probably the best center in the NFL right now, and uh, was it Jensen? Uh, Ali Martet is a fantastic guard. It's just that offense is great from top to bottom. That defense is great from top to bottom. It's just it's a great roster. Well, dude, and that's what I was saying in the offseason. And, of course, everyone's like, oh, no, they're a 7-9 team. They're not that good. Okay, cool. Well, then why are they top 10 everywhere else on their fucking roster? They just had a quarterback who was pr- uh, turnover prone. And that's what I said. I was like, if Jameis Winston throws 15 interceptions, we're having a very different conversation about him, and we're having a different conversation about the Bucks last year. Um, but that's the other thing. You know, the offensive line. That doesn't get talked about enough. Guard to guard. A great line. Guard to guard last year with Winston, they were fifth in pass blocking. And that was the other thing I brought up when I wrote the column about this was they can protect Brady better than his line could in New England last year. Um, You know, when you're playing on an offense where your number one options, Nikhil Harry, eek. Not something you want right now. Um, So, I I mean, yeah, he came in there and he did exactly what Tom Brady does. He doesn't turn the fucking ball over. And as far as his deep ball goes, you know, as far as the, oh, he's aging. Yeah, he put that shit to bed real quick this year. Because, well, he's been the best deep ball thrower for the last four years combined. He's got the number one, or he's he's number one in the league in quarterback rating, throwing the deep ball in the la- combined for the last four years. So, and that's with one season of having absolute shit to throw to, and that was of course last year. But uh, Danny, let's hear it. Yeah. So, to speak to, I guess your last uh, comment. And, guys, this is going to pain me that I'm saying this. You just need to know that this is me trying to show that I have just a shred of dignity and integrity. But Tom Brady this year led the league in yards or passes thrown over 20-plus yards, 115. Next closest was Aaron Rodgers at 89. That that just stands out. Um, The other thing that you guys were saying, too, is, you know, last year – Bruce Arians had the NFL's passing leader on his team. He just happened to throw it, you know, threw it for 5,100 yards to his team and another 1,000 yards to everyone else in the league, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, I think Jameis went, you know, 33 and 30 yep. for, you know, uh, TD to INT ratio. I mean, Brady came in and you – like I said, it pains me to say it, but if you say, well, hell, if Jameis can throw for this, you know, 
Um, what's Brady going to do? The other thing that gets lost too, when Brady joined the Bucks, because of his name and resume, instant recruiting. I mean, it was D1 Alabama recruiting, right? <laughs> right. Everyone was coming out of the woodworks, wanting to play with Brady. And now you have, you know, Antonio Brown over there, um, Rob Gron- Gronkowski, you know, laid down the uh, WWE title to take another shot at a Super Bowl ring. Um, you know, it's LaShawn McCoy's buried in that lineup, but you, you see, you know, how much of a mentor he's been to someone like Fournette. Look, everyone knows, you know, at least you guys know, I'm a Jags fan. Fournette had a lot of maturity to do. You look at him, he's a different player this year. He was always the guy that would lower his shoulder, waving at Mike Mitchell to meet him, you know, on the sideline, let's lower our pad. But he seems like, at least to me, a much more intelligent, at least in the playoffs, a much more intelligent back on how to read the defenses, when to make the cuts, and it's one cut and upfield. Um, that's something that, you know, Tom Brady and Bruce Arians brings to that team. Um, you guys already hit on the defense. The horse is dead. I'm not going to beat it anymore. You know, that defense is fantastic. Anton uh, Winfield Jr.'s my defensive rookie of the year. Um, you know, I think he's just phenomenal. I was very upset that he wasn't in a Jaguars uniform this year. Um, you know, he just is that that difference maker. And then, like Matt was saying, you know, a while back, Vita Vey, I mean, yes, the guy misses time. He's missed quite a bit of time in, I think, his first two years. But he's 300 pounds, and he runs faster than all of us on this. <laughs> and it's not close. It's not and for the record, Matt, Matt can move, Matt can run, <laughs> Matt. I respect you, but it's Vita Vey, I'm sure has you by half a stride and everyone else by a stride. Um, by the I way, Scotty I, Miller I, in this Adam, instance. can I do my best Adam Schefter um, impression? Cause Matt Stafford was just traded to the Rams. Um, that being said, we'll, we'll get back to uh, the bucks here. Um, you know, it's it's just amazing how their team got thrown together really weak. When did AB join the team? Like, you know, we're still getting thrown together before the bye week. Um, and I feel like they play the most team ball outside of the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, um, you, you guys mentioned the, you know, the guards, you know, in between the guards. Matt, agree with you a thousand percent. Tristan Worse, just absolute difference maker. And and to be fair, I mean, a lot of the tackles that came out of that draft were phenomenal. You know, Mecky Becton um, up in, you know, New York did a fantastic job this year. But Worse just brings an attitude with him, too. He plays angry. And because of that, you're seeing Brady have the time to make those passes, you know, 20 yards down the field. Um, you have three Pro Bowl caliber receivers. Unfortunately, none of them are Scotty Miller. Um, you That's because Scotty Miller's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Listen, Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> and, but you have 
three Pro Bowl caliber receivers. Um, you want to talk about the the strength of the coaching and the mentorship with Brady? AB stayed clean. Like, you know, he's well, I haven't seen a t- in ages. It feels like. Um, I think he's kept the same agent for more than six weeks, so that's a new record. It's a lot of new uh, records for AB. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the the Bucks go into this game probably with more momentum than the Chiefs, if I'm being honest. I think that they're clicking, you know. And also, one thing we haven't hit on yet, these teams faced off in the regular season. And it was a heavyweight bout. It was yep. one of the best games, I thought, of the year in the regular season. Um, so they kind of know what to expect from each other. I tend to side with Arians in that sense um, over Andy Reid. Andy Reid's incredibly creative, but I feel like Arians has the coaching around him to just kind of get him over that hump, right? So, he has a coaching around him, but one thing I will say about Arians, and this is something I do want to touch on, um, is the assistance. Um, because, what, all right, yeah. Bruce Arians, look, Bruce Arians gets in his own way. Um, and we saw this unfold in the NFC Championship. And this led to a lot of people saying Brady had a bad game. But these dumb idiots who think that forgot that, well, the Bucks were up 28 to 10 on the Packers. They had them on the ropes. And what did Arians do? He knew they were beating them deep for the first half and the first possession of the second half. So he kept throwing deep. And then Brady was left out to dry eventually. And it led to interceptions. But, um, as far as that coaching staff goes, the assistants on that coaching staff, you have Byron Leftwich um, on the offense, who we've – Danny and I have been talking, I know, about him for years because he used to be with the Jags. Um, and then it's really a shame that I'm forgetting uh, the defensive side. Uh, Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles. Um, you know, it's – There's some great assistants. And that's another thing. Like, as far as the coaches go, you got a lot of guys. Byron Leftwich, and then on the other side with the Chiefs, with Eric Bieniemy. These are two guys who it's it's a shame they don't have looks for a head coaching position. Whichever team is deciding not to interview or even consider them are morons. Completely agree. And, and Mike, you and I talked about it this week when we got on the phone. Um, the enemy just always seems dialed in, you know, and this is pure speculation on my, my part, but you almost wonder like, is he so tuned into winning another ring that he's not entertaining interviews? He's not giving it, you know what it was. He'll get around to it. And this guy's played in the last game of the year for two years in a row. Um, there's a lot of coaching vacancies that are bought up by them. Right. Um, also, the last thing I'll say about the Bucs, uh, the Jags are in the Super Bowl, baby. You got Byron Leftwich, you got Blaine Gabbert, and you got Leonard Fournette all in the Super Bowl for the Bucs. I can't stand Brady, but I might have to go the Bucs here, just realizing this now. 
<laughs> oh god someone mute this guy all right matt I'll let's hear it yeah i think just the, the coaching staff around i'm extremely surprised that byron leftwich didn't at least get a, a phone call or, or a look anywhere uh he's one of the people who follow the trend of looking for that next young guy that next sean mcveigh i guess you could say he's offensive minded so he goes and fits in the philosophies with uh, what most ownership looks like they're looking for now. And I'll touch a little bit on Eric Bieniemy too. I was very surprised he didn't get the uh, the Houston job. If they were going to try to keep Deshaun Watson around, you figure Eric Bieniemy probably would have been the best solution for that. But uh, yeah, I think they, they also kind of maybe keep Arians level-headed because we know that Bruce can get a little hot sometimes. As, as we've seen in these interviews, he kind of can bicker back and forth with Tom Brady, I think. Maybe Brady was a little bit surprised about that at first, but on the other hand, you probably think that Tom appreciates maybe the scrutiny that he that he never really got, and and just the pure coaching, and and maybe even Arians allowing him to kind of run his own way and do his own thing on the offense. But you know, both coaching staffs are are, are good, honestly. Um, one of the things that Danny touched on that I want to circle back to was the recruiting side and sort of how everyone flocked to Tampa Bay after Brady signed because, well, now you have a franchise who's desperate for a championship. You have a franchise who's Super Bowls in their hometown. And first time now, ever. yeah, first time ever. And now you have Brady um, who, you know, one of the stories, I think it was Chris Godwin um, talked about this when they had their first uh, first meeting, essentially, where they were going to work out together and throw and stuff like that, uh, I think it was Chris Godwin who said, you know, it, he had trouble sleeping the night before. He was nervous as fuck because, well, he's... I got to be on my game. I got to show him that I'm, I'm good and I'm worthy to be catching footballs from him. That's a lot of respect, that's a lot of respect to unpack. And, you know, when he said he caught that first pass from him and Brady was like, you know, whatever, small words of encouragement. And it was like, all right, dialed in now. Good. Um, but that's the thing, man. You know, with Brady, he's one of those guys that players just seem to want to win for. And it's not in an artificial sense. And what I mean by that is, it's not for the namesake. Like I think it might be with someone like breeze or Peyton Manning, where they respect him for the sake of respecting him. I think there's a genuine, genuine love and appreciation for Brady, but also for the appreciation for the teammate that he is. Um, and the reason I bring up breeze and Manning is I don't think uh, Manning did this obviously in his last season in Denver. But then again, when you're throwing up wounded ducks, um, you know, those guys don't take the ball out of their hands. Brady is willing to take the ball out of his hands if it means he's going to win the game. And I think people have seen that. You know, we saw so many playoff games in um, in New England where, oh, cool. They throw 45 times, and then the next week they turn around, they run it 45 or 50 times, and Brady may throw 24 passes. Um, we've seen that happen time and time again. Um, 
but I, that's, what's crazy about Brady and I guess his career. And that's, that's the thing I respect so much is he is not only the best quarterback to ever play. He's also the best teammate in terms of a quarterback and the best leader. Um, so it's just so damn special and I guess remarkable to see and seeing these guys flock to him, guys like Leonard Fournette, LaShawn McCoy, um, Gronk coming out of retirement just to get one final crack to get that ring that they want. You know, McCoy's another one in the twilight of his career. I mean, he's essentially done. He could have retired four fucking years ago. Um, it's it, dude, it's crazy. And it's that next guy up mentality. And that's something you hear all the time in sports next guy up. But when Brady starts walking into your franchise, you better have that mentality or you better get out. Um, and that's sort of what you've seen in the playoffs. Like Ronald Jones, he was, he was the guy in the backfield for the regular season. He's now taking a little bit of a backseat. Leonard Fournette looks like that guy for the postseason, And he's looking like the guy they expected him to be when they originally signed him. And I think that was all sort of part of the plan too, is there's no denying Leonard Fournette's a better talent than Ronald Jones. Uh, but Ronald Jones carried the load for the regular season. Now it's like, all right, well, if Leonard Fournette's getting his and eating, who cares? At the end of the day, let's go win the fucking ring because that's what it's about. So it's, it's remarkable how one guy can have that big of an impact on that many guys who let's face it are alphas. They're alpha males. Um, so it's, Dude, it's incredible. Matt, take it away. Yeah, so the, the chemistry that Tom has with, with all of his teammates, seemingly from, from the get-go, I think a lot of it has to do with just his dedication to his craft and how much he cares about about winning and, and, you know, not even just winning. It's being great at winning and being the best at your craft and the best that you can be. And I think guys really rally behind that from your average veteran to a rookie that's just coming into the league. I think it makes everything a lot easier. And, and, you know, you just have that peace of mind, like, Hey, my guy's coming in, he's putting in this work every day. And especially somebody like Tom Brady, that's, you know, the goat and it's been around forever. Everybody in the NFL knows that it's, they have this respect for him, but I just think it makes your job of coming in, you know, that much more critical. You're like, Oh man, I can't be the one that slacks off. I have to work just as hard as this guy. And it just brings that camaraderie to the team. And I think you're seeing just the chemistry just kind of gushing everywhere. I think you say that for both sides, but especially the Buccaneers, the way they just kind of not pieced the team together, but threw a couple of patches on it at the end, especially with Gronkowski and, and uh, Antonio Brown and just how everything just seems to work. Like everything they did with that team this year, just it, it worked. Every, uh, it may not have worked from, from the start, may have taken a little bit of time, like you guys were saying, Fournette coming off in the playoffs. But, hey, I'll be damned if it's not working right now. Danny, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, this this is, a, I guess, a scenario where it's tough going after you guys speak because we're all talking about the blatantly obvious elephant in the room, right? Uh, they're – they're clicking. Um, they know who their leader is in Brady. The most, I guess, ironic thing about Brady is 
you always see him throwing fits with the refs on the sidelines, chewing teammates out, and they always have his back. Well, Tom's telling us to do what we're supposed to do. Um, so he's a leader from that standpoint. You know, Matt talked about his dedication to winning, and that's fantastic too. But as much as I just despise the guy, and when I mean despise him, I just mean just he's someone I have to root against, guys. I mean, we all love a good heel. Mike, you know that better than anyone else because you do it daily for a living. Um, but he also leads from the front, which I don't think happens a lot in today's NFL. It's me, 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 but it's more like, hey, this is what it's going to take for you to get it. Watch. Because the guy eats pretty much just, you know, anything it takes to keep his, you know, 58-year-old body looking better than all three of ours right now, right, Um, in regards to just longevity. I think he finds the chip on his shoulder better than anyone in the NFL. You know, what I go back to – what I go back to is that clip of him with Julian Edelman, his last run in New England, where Julian's just in there saying, you're too old, you're too old, you know, playfully. Um, I think he finds the way to dig deeper better than anyone else. Well, I think that chip on his shoulder is something that uh, is interesting that gets brought up because you hear that a lot in sports. And what well, <laughs> It's hard not to relate it back to this because it's so in your face, but you talk about chip on your shoulder. We hear this all the time with Drew Brees, but the big difference is Brees needs the validation of the numbers. Brady needs the validation of the the wins and the rings. Mm-hmm. There, there's that difference. Um, but uh, as far as this game goes, something I'm going to just kind of throw a curveball at here. Um, and talk about something different of this game. So the Super Bowl, because that's essentially what we're talking about here is the matchup. I want to touch on a couple of things here unrelated um, from the game itself um, before we dive into our picks to win this, uh, to close it out and everything. Uh, Before we get into the unrelated things, the last thing that I have and I got to ask is – how do you want this to go in terms of the game itself? Um, and how do you expect it to go? And I'll start just so you can kind of see what I'm talking about here. So what I honestly want to see, I want to see the the most unprecedented shootout we've ever seen in Super Bowl history. I want a 45-42 ball game. That's what I want. I want to see Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady running and gunning, throwing this thing downfield, explosive plays. I want to see high-octane offenses. Um, Now, what I think happens, I think you end up probably a 31, maybe a 30 to 28 type game. Um, I do think it'll end up being high scoring, but I want to blow the lid off of the scoring this year, especially since we are being gifted with such a treat that is Brady and Mahomes. But I think both defenses are probably a little too good for that to happen. Uh, Matt, let's turn it to you. 
So personally, I'd love to see a game sort of like uh, was it Rams Chiefs a few years ago with the most points oh, yeah. ever in a in a Monday night. I would love to see that in the Super Bowl. I think both quarterbacks 100% have the ability to do it. You know, if we could see a 45-42 game or a 38-35 game, I think that'd be perfect. Nobody wants to see a defensive standoff in the Super Bowl. This is boring, right? We all want to see explosive plays and touchdowns. Now, I don't think we get a, we get that high. I think it's probably 28-35, something like that. I think we could kind of see a game around that. And I think it ends up being a two-minute drill. I, I, I can't decide which quarterback it's going to come down to just yet with the two-minute drill. Well, you're going to have I, to decide at the end of this. I know, man. <laughs> I know. It, it's been tough. I've been thinking about it this whole uh, this whole time, actually. But I, I think it's going to come down to the two-minute drill with one of these guys, and they're going to walk their team down, and, and they're going to get that final touchdown right at the end, and we're going to have a walk-off. Let's hear it, Danny. Yeah, so for me, man, um, I'm with you guys. I feel like it's a cop-out saying we want action, right? Um, but I want the action like prom night, all right? <laughs> like, And what I mean by that is I want this to be unprecedented. I want the absolute just – like if it could be 49-42, I'm happy as a pig in mud. Um, that being said – when everyone expects that, we usually get set up for the opposite. Um, now, do I think it's going to be the barn burner that the Patriots Rams were for a few years back? No. Um, do I think it's probably, you know, 24 17? I think we have a better shot at that, even though we don't want that. Um, I think that's probably where we go. Um, if I had to put, a bet on it. I'm gonna say 3128. Uh 3128. And I think it's gonna come down to the Kansas City Chiefs kicking a 43 yard field goal at the end of regulation, and Harrison Buttaker pulls it. And he pulls it left hard. We already had wide right. Well, we got Danny's answer for how this plays out or who he's picking a win. You wanted the answer. I give it to you. And it's like vinegar on my tongue. But the, I really think Brady, you know, ho- hoists the uh, trophy here. But it's just, uh, I don't know. I think it's going to be one of the better Super Bowls we've had in quite some time, probably since the Seattle slant. You know, um, and the reason I go back to that is, hey, who was the Super Bowl winning quarterback on that in that game? I mean, I mean, to be fair, I, I think Brady did his part. He threw for over 300 yards against the historically one of the best defenses. That's what I'm saying. But but here's the thing, Mike, he doesn't even have to be that because as you said earlier he's getting beaten up he didn't have a good game in the nfc championship game if that's if he's winning the nfc championship on a bad game 
What happens if he just has a mediocre game in the Super Bowl? You know, um, it's it's going to be a fun, fun game because I don't know that we've seen two teams like this in the Super Bowl and at least since we've been old enough to track, right? Um, if you can think of one, let me know. Maybe Rams-Titans? Yeah, but know. even then, I don't think it stacks up to this one. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you for spoiling your uh, your uh, winner before we were ready for that. You know, leave it up to Danny to screw everything up. It's great stuff. I do what I can. And what if I'm just throwing you off? You're not that intelligent. Let's let's not let's not play this game. Come on. But anyway, uh, before we <laughs> before we go any further, before we go into the predictions, I want to talk about some of the other factors that make Super Bowl so great. I mean, overall, the entire day is usually just anticipation. I you know, for me, I know for you guys, it's a big day. It's it's fun. You know, this is it's one of the best events of the year, and. Uh, one of the things that I am most excited for with this year's Super Bowl is who they selected for halftime for their Pepsi halftime show, and that is the weekend. Um, the commercial they've been using to pump him up, where everyone's just singing "Blinding Lights," and then he shows up at the Super Bowl, the security guard singing his song, and then all of a sudden shows up, gives the wave, and he's just like, "Oh shit, it's the weekend!" Uh, passes him through, whatever. Um, I'm excited for this year's halftime show. And that's one of the, one of my favorite parts of the game aside from the game itself. Um, so, um, what about you guys, as far as, as far as halftime show goes, you know, how big of a deal is that for you? Um, Matt, you can, uh, go ahead and start us off here. Cause Danny deserves to sit in timeout for a minute. Now I wouldn't say it's a deal breaker, but, you have to have to say that the halftime show is quite the spectacle if they do it right for the Super Bowl. And and there's been quite a few that have been incredible in the past, let's say, you know, decade or so. Oh, absolutely. I don't, was like, I don't know if Prince was in this decade, but I distinctly remember him doing it. And then you have, uh, was it Maroon 5 the other uh, couple of years ago, who I thought was was pretty good too. Bruno Mars absolutely killed. Bruno it. Mars was one of my favorites. So, wonderful. dude, Katy Perry was another one. Um, and I'm not a big fan of uh, Lady Gaga, but dude, that was, was that a- Left Shark. Oh, dude, Left Shark, Left Shark all day. <laughs> um, dude, even last year's. I mean, I dude, Shakira and J Lo absolutely killed it. Absolutely killed it. Um. But yeah, dude, it's a huge, huge thing. And that's what's cool. I think it's become such a big deal because you know the internet's just going to do what they do and just shit on whoever is performing because, well, it can't fucking enjoy anything. Bunch of killjoys out there. Um, but that's what's cool now is because of how big it's gotten, I think these artists go above and beyond to make sure they put on a good show. And one of my... uh one of my best friends who I trust probably more than anybody when it comes to music and uh, to give good, uh, good feedback. You know, I was talking with him earlier this week about the weekend and he had said, um, you know, weekend by far is one of his favorite live performers. Like dude just kills it. But uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm pumped. Like every time I hear blinding lights, I've been listening to it nonstop. And of course you, he has so many other great songs. Um, that uh 
curious to see what what songs he gets to uh and then of course who shows up um but what about you danny what's uh how are we feeling about this year's halftime show you know um i'm a few years older than you guys not much uh I, i'm excited for it you know um and I'm more excited because the halftime show, what I've really liked, what they've gone to is, hey, who else is going to drop in? Yeah. You know, um, and that's a a fun thing, I guess, to anticipate. Um, I like The weekend personally. Um, like the music. I like the character he, he plays in the media. Um but it uh, it should be fun, you know. And looking back in the past Super Bowl halftime shows, um, like you said last year, fantastic. Um, we all know the Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake. Um, we all know the. Uh, Super Bowl where Bruno Mars won MVP and before and after there was a half of football that got played because it just wasn't competitive. Thank God for Bruno Mars. Um, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm also looking forward to the Super Bowl commercials. To me, they've been on a downward spiral the last few years. Um, it should It should be fun. I don't know that the weekend can carry the halftime show himself. And it's not a slight to him. It's just, look, man, this is a big stage. So I think he could. I think he could carry it by himself, uh, whether he does or not. I'm not sure. You know, uh, again, because I'm, I'm not as up to date with current, current music and what's happening. Um, as I've been in the past, but I asked one of my friends who is very much into music. Uh, he, you know, he has his own album. He's working on a couple of other albums, and I know that's his biggest passion. Um, but I actually asked him, you know, if if anyone showed up with the with the weekend, who could it be? Because my initial thought was possibly Daft yeah. Punk, because I know Daft Punk's done. Uh, I think two, maybe three songs with the weekend. So okay. uh, I was like, dude, if Daft Punk shows up, that's, that's a huge win. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, you want to talk about stage presence? Got it in spades. Um, yeah. But uh, that got mentioned. And then some of the others, uh, the least likely to happen would be Drake. Um, I mean, that's a headliner. Uh, so I, I don't know about that one either but uh as far as potential odds on to maybe show up um you know my buddy had said future juicy j lil uzi vert uh daft punk obviously and then uh lana del rey which i think any of those that i mean it'd be cool um but uh yeah i mean that's one of the cool parts like one of my favorites and one that i fucking blew up for uh was missy elliott showing up to one of the halftime shows and i was just like holy shit let's let's go um i I actually watched that uh that halftime show 
uh, this week because that's one of the things I've been doing the last few years, probably the last like two or three years as I go back and watch the old halftime shows. Um, I think the best one, honestly, of of all time would probably be 93 with Michael Jackson. He put on a freaking fantastic. Yeah. No. Um, And of course, not something that's unexpected from the king of pop. I mean, when you talk about goats of music, yeah, I mean, Michael Jackson's up there. So, um, yeah, as far as some other performers man I, I i am curious to see who shows up this year but um let, uh, keeping up with halftime shows i mean for for you guys who would be your top three halftime shows and in no particular order let's just spitball it it doesn't have to be anything in order um we'll start with uh matt over there top three of all time oh i've I'll be a homer and go with Bruno Mars since we all talked about him. I'll throw that one in there. Honestly, I loved the Justin Timberlake one from a few years ago. I'm a big uh, Justin Timberlake fan, so I'll put that one up there. And if I had to think of another one, uh, I'll go with Prince. I'm a big, uh, I like like Prince. Prince, I think he did a really good job too, R.I.P. So (laughs) I'll give you those three. All right, Danny, who's yours? Yeah, I mean, um, number one for me really is Bruno Mars. Man, if if there's a guy that I just like most of the songs, you know, how can you call someone like him underrated? But it's kind of the case. Um, it's It's Bruno Mars. Also, like I said, Major, major points from saving that travesty of a Super Bowl. That was the most uninteresting Super Bowl we've had. Um, man, two. Let's. I'm prob- probably going Michael Jackson. Um, because I really think it, it was the Super Bowl that the halftime show that really raised the bar on it. You know, that, uh, all right, he's doing something different. We all need to step our game up. And I feel like that was kind of that Super Bowl that it's like, oh, cool. I do want to perform on this. You know what I mean? Um, now, whether or not that's the, the case, I don't know. I just kind of feel like that's how it is. Number three, shoot. Um I'm probably going Timberlake like Matt did. Um, And for no other reason than, dude, that guy can literally do it all. I I really wonder if Justin Timberlake could be a top 10 quarterback in this league. Um, That's how talented he is. Uh, But, man, it's tough. It it really is tough. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think if you ask who are the three – Super Bowl shows that bombed, it'd be an easier answer. <laughs> it really would. <laughs> See, and that's um, the thing. Like, I don't, I don't look at Super Bowl shows and feel like that uh, most of them bomb. Like, again, I think it comes down to I think hating on them has become the cool thing to do. Um, but as far as mine, yo, I would say Justin Timberlake. I was most excited. I think in terms of excitement, 
I was most excited when Justin Timberlake got announced because 2020 experience was one of my favorite albums ever. I was excited to see him perform mirrors. I was curious to see if he would go back and play some of his old songs from NSYNC. Just, just a lot of shit happening there. Um, but he does not make my top three in my order. I would say number three was Katy Perry. Um, I thought the show itself was cool. Like her riding in on the big lion. I mean, I'm sorry, a uh, big tiger. Um, and then uh, also, of course, you had left shark, right shark. <laughs> that was that was just great. Um, but again, Missy Elliott showing up that put it over the top for me. Um, and then Lenny Kravitz also. I mean, dude, you talk about Lenny Kravitz; he's just fucking cool. <laughs> so having him there uh, performing with her and then throwing Missy Elliott into the equation was huge. Um, Number two would be Bruno. I do agree there. Like his drum solo to open up the his entire set was biblical. Um, and then of course it starts out with uh, "Locked Out of Heaven," um, which was the big song for him at the time. So um, love that. Uh, number one, hands down, Michael Jackson. Um, I think it was. I think it was We Are the World that he performed um, as his last where he had a bunch of kids running on stage, um, kind of singing in harmony with them. Like, dude, the crowd was just super into it. Uh, and then to open up his show, you had because this was at the Coliseum in Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken. And he had two guys dressed as Michael that uh, Michael Jackson pop up on each of the jumbotrons on the side of uh, the stadium. Uh, and then it cut to him in the middle, which was really cool. So I'll, I'll, that would be my top three. Um, but overall, super excited for this year's halftime show. The weekend's about to be lit. It's going to be awesome. Um, and then commercials go without saying every year you look forward to those. But uh, let's let's go ahead and wrap this up here. Let's get our quick winners. Danny, we already know that you said – Tom Brady's hoisting the trophy, which I like, of course, on a uh, Harrison Butker miss. So you can get muted for this segment because, well, thanks for spoiling it earlier, you dunce. Um, but, Matt, what's uh, what you got in this one? Who you feeling? All right. So I, so I said earlier we it's come down to a two-minute drive, all in the quarterback's hand, score, uh, you know, score a touchdown to go ahead and win the game and go ahead. It's going to be tied 28-28. And Sir Tom Brady is going to march his team down the field, and he's going to throw a dime to Gronkowski, and it's going to be touchdown Buccaneers. And I'll go Buccaneers just because they won't have to kick the extra point afterwards. It'll be Bucks thirty-four twenty-eight. Nice. Uh, so two for two on the Bucks, and uh, I'm going to stick with uh, with the original here, and I'm going to go. Uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, the two I picked in the preseason. And I've been saying all postseason, I'm sticking with my preseason prediction. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break the uh break the clean sweep for the Bucks here. I'm gonna go against Tom Brady, but no damn good and well. As much as I love Patrick Mahomes, Matt, you already alluded to this. Our Tom Brady Super Bowl jerseys are on the way. And uh, I will be wearing mine with along with uh, Melissa, who got hers as well. And we will be cheering for the Bucks through and through. Go terrific, Tom. But uh, I am picking the Chiefs to win this one. I do think it's close. I'll say the Chiefs uh, 
I'll say the Chiefs win this one 27 23. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes goes downfield, scores a touchdown um, late in the game, and uh, they end up taking home the dub. And Patrick Mahomes continues his quest to become the GOAT. Uh, but uh, before we wrap up, it's time for our final thoughts. Uh, anything and everything is on the table here. Danny, you've been muted, so let's let you have it first, I guess, as a consolation prize, you dunce. Um, I mean, I'm honestly excited to see, like we said very, very early on, the, the torch. Does it stay with TB12 for another year, or does it go to Mahomes? Um, I'm excited to see what happens after the Super Bowl. Because I don't expect Brady to ride off into the sunset, but does he? Um, I really, really think that as far as the coaches go, this is the best personality of coaching we've had in any Super Bowl. Um, You know, you got cheeseburgers versus derby hats. It's a fantastic time. Uh, I guess here's the one thing that I take away from it is that we haven't spoken about. How about the irony that the first Super Bowl that a team gets to host in their own stadium, there's limited seating due to COVID. Um, It's the most poetic justice I've ever seen in regards to the NFL. Um, Absolutely wild to me because like I said, it's the first time for that we've had teams uh, have the Super Bowl in their city, but never at their actual stadium. And here it is. You're having what did they say? Twenty two thousand for the Super Bowl. Yeah, um, something like that. So the first time you have a true home field advantage, you can't do it. You can't do it. Um, that being said, I'm excited. Uh, final final picks. Uh, coin toss is going to be tails. I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to start score the first touchdown, just like he did last year. And like I said, 31 28 with Butterker just being, you know, the absolute, you know, what was his name? Scott Norwood from the bills, but it's going left. It's going left. And, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. All right, Forrest. And, uh, Matt, well, let's hear it. So, Super Bowl is finally here. I'm, I'm just – I want to see the battle in the trenches. That's, that's one thing I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to. I want to see how much that affects Patrick Mahomes and how much pressure, you know, that they can get on him if it's, if it's really going to matter too much if you get him rattled. But – you know, just these electric quarterbacks, I think we just need to sit back and, and just appreciate and be happy with the Super Bowl that we got because, you know, when, again, are we going to see two quarterbacks of this magnitude go up against each other? You know, I'm just – I'm ready for, for such a, uh, you know, a spectacle and a show. I'm, I'm just ready for it all. For me, I mean, uh, my final thoughts on this is, uh, well, it's simple. Go Tom Brady. I want him to win. 
I want him to win with the Bucks. I want to be the person that gets the shit all over the Saints fans more than anything. You know, this has become a personal vendetta for me. And, um, you know, there was all this talk about becoming an Atlanta fan and all this other shit. And although I'm not, it's still fun to just rattle the cage of Saints fans because they're stupid, they're fickle, and, well, they're easy to get under the skin of. And, you know, it would be the ultimate middle finger for me if Brady comes into the division year one and he wins because, well, let's face it, Brady's now got the same number of NFC titles that Drew Brees has. And, well, Brees has been trying to do this since 06. So, to any Saints fan listening, to anyone that uh, may be listening that is shit on me, you were wrong. I was right. You can get fucked because I'm better than you, and you know it. And that being said, I appreciate Danny and uh, Matt coming on for another awesome episode of the Hotz Hard Huddle podcast. And, uh, you know, it's Super Bowl week, baby. Let's have some fun. And as always, honor the huddle. Add a little flavor to your kitchen with 985 products. 985 products delivers various flavors that hits the taste buds just right, making you smile and wanting a tad bit more. Their products are created with a touch of bayou and a dash of culture. The 985 sauce is the food lover's choice for flavor and spice. Or add a dash of the 985 Cajun allspice on your red beans and rice, gumbo, chicken, or soup, and you can fall in love all over again. In addition to their signature sauce and seasoning, wind down with some of their vintage wines like Kerry's Merlot and Kerry's Sauvignon. Join Kerry's Wine Club for $1.95 per year. A membership with Carrie's Wine Club includes five bottles per year, Carrie's Wine Club merch, invitations to wine sampling events, exclusive updates, and a 10% discount on all purchases. When you purchase from 985 products, use the code HOTARDHUDDLE, all caps, all one word, for a 10% discount on any of their select products. Visit 985products.com. That is the number, 985products.com. And again, Receive 10% off on your purchase with the code HOTARDHUDDLE, all caps, all one word. That is 985products.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Hotard Huddle Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast on all major platforms such as Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Don't miss any updates from HotardHuddle.com by going to the website and subscribing to our email list. You can also follow Hotard Huddle on Facebook and Instagram at Hotard Huddle. As always, honor the huddle.